today is Thursday, April 28th, and it's the reboot of uh, of uh, Red Carded Sports uh, with myself, Connor, and uh, and my co-host here, Nolan. Nolan, yep. Um, and we're going to start by going through some roundtable topics. Um, Want to get your your opinions on these, Connor, and because I think they're quite interesting. And uh, we'll, we'll dive into the to the first one nice nice and quickly. So um, I really – I saw um, an article from Pierre Lebrun on The Athletic um, that he's been chatting with some, some GMs um, about the topic of potentially scrapping, uh, scrapping the shootout, um, which I think is extremely interesting considering it just came into effect 17 years ago, um, obviously after See- the – I was anti shootout 17 years ago, so I'm, I'm I'm glad we're coming around to this correction. As long as <laughs> well, are you now? Also, are you it, still? Are you? Yes. Still we, I'm, I'm, bring back bring back ties. Get rid of the of uh, the loser point. Well, they Not, definitely make ties, um, make ties some, acceptable some, again. Some GMs were totally for that, and uh, Pierre said, um, and he's more old school. Well, he's an older writer. And uh, he sort of chatted about how, like, when he was back then, they had no problems with ties. Nobody had an issue with ties. It was never, never a problem. So (laughs) they just wanted to, like, probably add more excitement to the game, right, when they introduced the shootout. I think it's, like, the further, like, Americanization of hockey. Like, hockey really got Americanized with Gary Bettman in the 90s and whatnot. Like, it was already going that way uh, just because the the league has so many more American teams than Canadian ones. But um, I think it kind of came into that, that idea, like, I think it was like an idea from American sports that like, you know, you can't have, uh, you can't have ties. Ties are for like pansy fucking Europeans who, <laughs> play, so who, play, who play sports like soccer. We play real sports like football, ignoring the fact that college football had ties for decades. Like they, they only got rid of ties in college football in like the 1990s as well. Wow. So maybe it's like the um, NFLization of the sport in a way, because the NFL is never, or actually never. the NFL had, has ties. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah if no, they don't finish no. after the first overtime. That's a tie. It's yeah, it's, yeah. And um, or, you know, maybe it's because, or actually, thinking this through, maybe it's more like you know, Gary Bettman came from the NBA. The NBA's never really had ties. Yeah, I think. I think. Do, I don't do, think has has the NBA ever had ties? I, I think they it. keep going OT to OT. I know in the playoffs yeah. they go OT to OT, but I think in the regular season they do too. I just yeah. think it's so rare that a team doesn't is not leading after that first mm-hmm. set of OT. What? But what they... if in the NHL we decided to have um like n- like no ties but no shootout? See what just they continuous, were continuous yeah, just that's, like that's any, where... playoff style uh, continuous overtime forever. It would kill the fucking players. It would absolutely kill them. But it would be so that was the main concern. Is yeah. that that was one of the main concerns among GMs is that um by doing a perpetual OT because yeah. in overtime, and especially three on three, you're just using your best players. On the yeah. The whole time. Or what? What if we did and this? And with what all the travel did... and stuff, they were worried that it would impact the players. Like it uh, probably would. Exhaustion yeah. was too much, and injuries would just increase from that inevitably. And... So I think GMs are worried about that. Or what if we had ties? But the ties only come down to if you are down to goalies only. So what I'm saying is like you know how we go to like a, we do like a, a, a three on three. What if we started? Yeah. We did like what if we did like. Three minutes of four on four, then three minutes of three on three, then three minutes of two on two, then three minutes of one on one. If you can't figure it out by then, just like if we just have like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby go up in a one on one with their uh, with their respective goalies, and you still can't. I'm not sure one on one hockey works. I'm not sure one on one hockey works. At that <laughs> point, you might as well just do a shootout, right? Because you're just dragging it on. You're just dragging OT on long enough that the shootout would just replace it. Especially one on one and two on two would be a little weird. Three on three is fine and. And I would argue, like, don't even touch four on four. Like, because remember, when they first implemented the shootout, they had four and four. So, it was most, four so my four proposals before are, were more jokes. Minutes. But my proposals were more jokes. Uh, I remember the four on four for five minutes. But what if, and we know how we have the three on three now. What if we had 20 minutes of three on three? Like, there's That's no where way people are going, right? Yeah, like, there's, because there's no, there's no way, three. there's no way, like, Okay, if you had that, I bet you'd have one tie a year in the NHL. There's no way they could go 20 minutes of three-on-three without getting a goal, right? No doubt. I would argue, like, if we look at – so they had some some interesting um, numbers in the articles, and it was the percentage of games 
that were um, going beyond overtime mm-hmm. into a shootout when they went from four and four to three on three. So before they did the switch, the four and four overtime was a little under 50%. Um, and it was actually like more and more games were going to the extra, were either adding in a tie or mm-hmm. going to the shootout um, after like the, the, the extra time periods over. So the four and four is over and that number, it actually looks like was steadily increasing. So it seemed like more team, like as teams figured out four and four, there was less outcomes because they could defend against it better. Right. And it actually looks like the same thing's happening for three on three to a degree. But the numbers went from under 50% to now. Um, percentage of extra games deti- decided by five on, decided in three on three OT, almost 70% of games are decided um, by the end of three on three OT now. It went from like 50% was the peak of the four mm-hmm. and four to 70% now almost. So it actually went about 20% just by change, getting rid of the one less player. So what a lot of GMs are suggesting and what I saw most of it go to is not even going like 20 minutes. Like that's kind of insane. And that would be really taxing eight minutes. Like imagine, and okay. you don't even need to inevitably really, like get rid of the shootout now. I know that a lot of like, young kids mm-hmm. like the shootout. And that might not be like although it's like older audiences. Well, be- most older people, I think, don't want the shootout to happen. Like, well, I we think the shootout. Like, I'm not a huge fan. Shootouts are fun in the same way like a slam dunk competition is fun. Contest is fun. It's like, and I think it's good it's, for kids. Yeah, because it's, it's like it's good for the young kids or a home run derby because it's like a very singular like individualistic stage of Imagine they uh, ended it, baseball with a home run derby if they weren't if they didn't have a score after like 12 I've nine. seen people like half jokingly propose that I don't think that would I don't think that could exist that would be so silly that would be um, awesome like the Jays would be, be awful so, the J- well the Jays would be, think, it'd be great for us yeah Jays fans, <laughs> but it'd be awful like, like, like okay, we'll just send Vladdy out there. Okay, we just won the game. Fun. Unless get rid of pitching, get rid of pitching and hitting, though, right? And just yeah, like that's what it would do. It, it's even less of a true outcome of the sport than hockey is, because like in hockey, you have a breakaway between a player and a goalie, right? Yeah. That would and just I'm, be like a home run derby would be a a coach throwing to a players and seeing how many home and, runs they can hit. And I'm already against most of the rule changes in MLB right now, so I don't know how I feel about that one. Oh my God, that's so that's so awesome because that's more topics later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but most most GMs wanted, like, weren't even against removing, like, weren't even for removing the shootout. Mm-hmm. A lot of them just wanted to extend three on three. And I think that's a really good, like, thing to do. I think if they go, I mean, weirs eight minutes is, maybe they go to, maybe they round up to 10, right? But if you just go to eight or 10 or whatever and just see what the outcomes are. Because if we have 10% of games going to shootout, say, I don't mm-hmm. think that's that bad, right? Like, no, I don't I, mind. See, no, I like the the point here to me is not about reducing the amount of shootouts. It's just getting rid of the shootout. The shootout was a but dumb like 10% concept. Ten percent of games that go to extra time going to a shootout. I'm talking. So we're only talking a team might only play in one or two shootouts a year. And that, if that's the case, I'm not. I'm not in a hurry to get rid of it. Yes, phase it out eventually. But I, there definitely is an argument to go with getting young players more into the game or young people more into the game, and the shootout could could help with that a little honestly like there's that other side to it fair enough although i don't think there's going to be a real problem of getting young players into the game or at least this isn't the barrier of getting young players into the game the barrier is You're the probably fact that, right yeah expensive. the barrier is the fact that it, yeah it's really expensive to become a ho- to become a hockey player when you're young and it's only really available to uh, upper middle class and upper class families uh, nowadays or middle class families who scrape by really good point yeah you got a really yeah. good point um, if they want to grow the game, it's definitely making it more accessible and not having a shootout. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You're probably right there. Um, well, it's like you know honestly, what? I, don't, I, I, don't I would want, be fine I don't... with ten minutes of three on three, and then a, and then a tie. And and I also, while looking into this, saw that um, just before the lockout was like that, we came back from the 2005 lockout. Mm-hmm. You know how they introduced like way more obstruction penalties. Um, obviously, the three on three. Um, the, they got rid of the two line pass thing freaking god they mm-hmm. did that yeah um that was awful um and they were actually proposing the one rule i guess that was was really strong in the in the gm meetings that never came to tuition or to fruition was they wanted to do three two one points so three points for a win in regulation mm-hmm. like soccer 
two points oh, yeah, for, I, I, you know, for I mean, a win in, in extra time, and then one point for a loss in extra time. Uh, yeah, I, I I take that system. If you if I if you gave me that system, I will accept the shootout. I I I think I'm leaning towards that. Honestly, yeah, like, I don't think they're gonna get rid of the shootout anytime soon. I really don't. Yeah, but... uh, or either do either do the uh, either do a full soccer system or move back to the old hockey system where it's two points for a win, no points for a loss, one point for a tie. Yeah, but I think at the end of the day, I can't see them extending three on three beyond ten minutes. I think it was ridiculous that they played a twenty minute overtime period before the lockout. That's crazy, and that's a lot of like strain on your top players. It really is, and we probably mm-hmm. see more injuries. But it was and only it, like, was, it was one period period, and like four on four, like you said, and, and back and in the old days, you see five on five, even. Yeah, yeah. So it still wasn't. It was that, just yeah. like an ex, It was just more like an extra period. Period. I don't think it was like that yeah, straining. I'm telling you right now, like if we're if I'm watching a seven a seven to nine thirty game, and it's like ten o'clock, like that extra period lasts an hour. After the Zamboni, after the stoppage time, like it's crazy. That's true. Yeah. Twenty minutes is a long time after the game. I'm I'm personally ten minutes three on three. If it doesn't result in an outcome, call her a tie. And playoffs stay the, the same. Playoffs stay the same. Oh yeah, playoffs playoffs. You have to do twenty minute perpetual overtime. Yeah, you can't decide a playoff game by a skills competition. See, at that's the, end the thing. Of the day, that's not because that, that's what makes the NHL play. That's what makes Stanley Cup playoffs so much fun. It's like they are like if we get into those overtimes, they are literal hell. <laughs> yeah, three three OT. Your players yeah. are literally dying in the ice. Sedino Char is on the bench chugging a coke. Remember that? Yeah, it's what I do. Awesome. I love you need that quick man. energy, man. <laughs> I know, I love that man. Play till fifty, please. All right, what was your next um, topic? In terms of interesting uh, um, old school, new school outcomes here, yeah, um, I I saw another cool article, um, and it was about it was well, we all know Miggy hit uh, three thousand, hit the three thousand mark in three hits. Fuck yeah, go Miggy. Go Miggy. Um, and somebody brought up that um, well, so bring it in, bring it up, like numbers those like magic numbers are a huge part of baseball, mm-hmm. a massive part of baseball. And yeah, as an old school fan, an old school head like you, I think you can appreciate that the 3000 hits, the 500 home runs, um, 300 wins. I think it is, is like that number. Yeah. Um, and then there's like and, the other ones, like 3000 strike, 3000 innings, know, stuff like that. I think those magic numbers, I think relate to other parts of the game. Like there are things about the game that are individualistic that matter. Like, um, like it's still weeks later still is pissing me off that they pulled Clayton Kershaw. I don't give a shit that he wanted. I don't give a shit that the team wanted. I don't give a shit about who wanted it. That was a potential perfect game going into the eighth, and he only had 80 pitches. I don't care what kind of pitch clock there is. It's a perfect game. Those are more important than a World Series. Just like, I, and, and I relate that back to like when I say like where they pulled Miggy and he didn't get and he didn't get his three thousand hit that one day, so he became the next day. And I kind of agree with that. Where did, I, was that I was a pull? To, I know they intentionally walked him. I know the Yankees. Or sorry, they intentionally walked him. The yeah, sorry, they intentionally walked intentionally him. Intentionally yeah. walked him. Yeah, and you know what? And, like, and Aaron Boone was, got booed hard. Right, so, so I would boo the shit out of Aaron Boone if I was uh, there. How do you Detroit. intentionally walk a guy going for his three thousand hit? And I think it was in Detroit too. It that's was why, like, that's where the and, boost definitely and So, like, a down. weekday game, but, like, it was – but, you know, Detroit's terrible this year, but it was sold out on a weekday uh, in April, and it's freezing fucking cold in Detroit right now. Like, um, uh, we live we that. live near Detroit podcast listeners, and trust me, it is freezing cold in April right now. Uh, I'm cold right now. I'm very cold right now. Uh, and uh, – but the Comerica was full – on a day when the ti- on a weekday when the Tigers are supposed to be terrible because they're all there, they're all skipping work in school to see Miggy hit a three thousandth hit, and they have every right to be pissed off at Aaron Boone for actually watching him. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's, it's those kind of like things. He didn't even need to stand in the batter's box anymore. He didn't even get to do that. He just yeah, walked on down to first. <sighs> <laughs> Honestly, that that's more just funny. Yeah. Um, to go back to the Kershaw topic, Kershaw, I think that's actually an interesting debate. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. I'm not fully on your side here. I know like, you're not. We need yeah. to take consideration into um, the fact that spring training, like he 
would not have pitched even up close to 75 at this point if it was a spring training game. They definitely yeah. let him go further, and he missed multiple st- spring training starts. Like, he was not worked up to go. I know, at all. I know, but it's still, even with all that, it's the one like it's the one thing he doesn't really have in his like repertoire. He has the World Series. Yeah. He has the MVP. He has the Cy Youngs. He has like every record. He is the he is the picture of the 2010s. Like you know, like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, they all got really close. But I, I think I think definitively Kershaw was the best picture of this decade. And he's got Hard all to argue. that. And Hard to argue. It's, the, it's the only thing that he doesn't have up there is a perfect game. I could take the argument that okay i know they were trying to rest him but fuck that give him 20 more pitches and see what he can do in 100 yeah like and then just let him like it's kershaw he's what 36 now five 36 37 i'm probably wrong there Uh, but 36 uh so i mean let him at that point in his career decide what arm feels like he's only 34 he's only 34 give him 20 more pitches yeah. Oh, yeah. No, let and let him at that point decide where his arm is. Like that's what I was trying to make with that point. He's a veteran. I'm sure he knows what his arm feels like and and when he needs to quit it. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things. Like the one um, thing, the one argument I, like... I won't take is people. I saw a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, people are saying that it has something to do with the new school baseball crap. And I mm. and I don't take that argument. It has nothing to I... do with new school baseball. Two weeks I... from then, he would have finished that game. Two weeks from Me... then, he would have finished that game. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, mean, okay. I think it's an, I think it's an easy argument to make because of um, oh fuck, what what's the dog's manager name again? Dave Roberts. Yeah, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts er, er, is like has a reputation for doing new school baseball shit like that, or stuff that because it kind of looks like a move, uh, like a new school um, analytics move. And he was he was throwing a perfect game. He he was gonna see he was gonna see until at least a hit. In new school rules, old school rules, whatever. It was his mm-hmm. pitch count and lack of spring training, and like the the. And I like the. the I like creeping other stuff. teams like subreddits or message boards or or even just like Twitter tags and whatnot and see what their fans are saying and like it, it's all and every Dodger fan was just beyond furious and blaming specifically Dave Roberts because they they think it's like, like this is just a, such well, he's a Dave Roberts call move. Pardon? Regardless, but yeah, I I don't think he's the one who made the call at the end of the day. So yeah, yeah, I, and and I could I would be mad if it was a Jays pitcher, especially like a legend like Kershaw. Um, yeah, but I I don't think it's analytics. I just don't. No, mm-hmm. no. Three, two, well, three weeks from you, then he would have won. Could you make the round? you make the roundabout argument that like the whole idea of doing like inning limits and all this kind of stuff is like some people associate that with new school baseball. Like I don't, I don't because like at a certain points more, just they've always smart. worked up pitchers. They've always worked up pitchers. It's not that new school. They've done it for, for a long time. Well, you, like well, these guys mean, remember but, but, Kershaw, Kershaw hadn't pitched in a, in a, in a simulated environment or anything since like near the end of last year. Because the lockout or no, no, I mean, I meant more like he wasn't training. Like I meant like thirty, forty years ago, would you even have a pitch limit, or would you even give a shit about uh, about that? No, but I don't. I think that's health. Yeah, but and I think the MLBPA. I know, I know, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's like like fans and people who who think that way about baseball and think that baseball is going soft or baseball is all run by numbers now are going to put, uh, are going to put those two pieces of evidence together and come to their own conclusions about it and say like, yeah, yeah that, that, and of course they're going to think that now I think it's more like, yes, it's more health-based than it's statistical analytics based, but couldn't the two both be part of the whole new school baseball philosophy that is both health and statistical analysis? Yes. But I'd be much more upset if this was an analytic thing. Like they didn't want to see him see the lineup three times through, right? Than if it was a pitch count. Like he's not built up. He's not. His arm's not ready for this. Right. And we've already for... seen like John Means, a young pitcher, mm-hmm. did not throw that many pitches, and he he's out for the year. And he's That's not the true. only one so far at the beginning of the year. We've seen multiple like top prospects in college. Multiple are getting Tommy John. Multiple are getting surgeries. Like I'm, these, I'm these... gonna start tracking this. Like I, I wish we could track this just to see. Like how did, did we just lose all these pictures before in the past, and we just didn't give a shit? Very possible. And only the lucky ones got through and made a name yeah, for themselves. Exactly. Like it's how possible. Many... I would love to see yeah, that. Like that, that. That's what created like the used car and used like boats uh, dealers of America. 
all these like uh, all these like picture washouts who washed out in the double A and triple A system, uh, got some injuries, didn't get Tommy Johns, and then they went and and then they went and founded like a boat dealership. Yeah, in uh, in uh, in Omaha. Now at least they have all these surgeries, but and I mean, it's making us like those guys before those surgeries were prevalent or, or, or useful. Um, guys probably just their careers were over right early, mm-hmm. and most elbow arm shoulder injuries happen at an earlier age like they start yeah so there's very good chance that there's tons of pitchers we just in old school baseball we just didn't see because they just got hurt and never never made it back and that will be slightly related to our character later on today as well about injuries (laughs) yeah i think so yeah um where where i was really going also like in in this is like how many more like three thousand hit players are we ever going to see oh yeah how yeah, many no, more they're, five, how they, many more 500 win pitchers right like well 300 3, hits I, I was thinking about this right now and i was thinking that the next guy to get 3,000 hits is either really really young right now or in triple a or double a um dan simborski um mm-hmm. from Fangraphs, he created like the zips projection model so it just kind of helps project future outcomes for all these players yeah based on age trajectory, based on all these things. He, he made a little list of guys that he thinks could get there. Um, the highest, the highest right now, the highest percent is Jose Altuve. He has a 32% chance to get there. According to, according okay. to, I guess, yeah, like he's going to have a long he's career. 32. He's 32. How many hits does he got right now? He's at 1783. So that means he'd have to play to like 42. Or for like his early, like late thirties, early forties. So yeah, basically, it's a long career and and maintain consistency because yeah, he would like, have to get how many hits a year does he get? Like a hundred seven? How many? It's probably between one hundred fifty, hundred seventy five. Yeah, so he's you don't see two hundred hit years anymore. Guy, much. Like, no, it just doesn't happen. Because I remember because so because when I was thinking about it, it was like um, if if Mike Trout wanted to get 3000 hits, he would have to hit 175 every year until he's 42 at this point, because like for a lot of these top guys, like they just pitch around them. Like there's no way that like I would, there's a chance Vladdy could get 3000 just because his, his, uh, he will probably bat like his dad and just try to walk too much. Yeah, but he, you're right. That's the problem with him right now. He's getting walked a lot. So he's, he's chasing a lot of pitches. He's getting a lot of hits off those case pictures, but um... I just wonder how many hits he has. Cause the, the issue is, it's not so much. It's guys are swinging for the fences at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, it's too hard in baseball nowadays to get singles. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the pitchers, the stuff is too good. It's too hard to rope together singles like that and score runs mm-hmm. in bunches. Like, Guys just swing for extra base. But it's not about RBI, it's about the hits. And that's like, probably know, the biggest I, reason. Like, if we have grand slam hitters, like, um, okay, Miggy is Miggy was not a guy who was roping together singles, and he got to, he got 3,000 hits, and that's, that's the way Vladdy would do it as well, because Vladdy is basically young Miguel or young, or if he's even better, young Pujols. But, um, yeah, I mean, Three thousand last year, be... you could argue he would have won the MVP if it wasn't for a man named Shohei Otani yeah. doing everything extremely well. Um, he had one hundred and eighty-eight hits. Yeah, uh, he'll probably get one sixty this year because uh, he, he's he's just not going to get as many hits this year. He'll probably have have a good batting average, but still, just not nearly as many hits. Yeah, like next next on this list is Freddie Freeman. Um, age 32 as well. So, like, remember these top two guys on this list at 32 and 30 percent chance of getting there played some early years in some what more about, have, prone environment. I know he. So, what about some young guys? Like, what about like Juan Soto? Do they have him on the list? The next one up here is Juan Soto, 22 because yeah, he he's the one I would think like, yeah, he could do it. Because yeah, well, I know Juan Soto just as a, as a, he's a hitter. He's not really much of a power hitter either. He's just a hitter. He just ropes line drives. So yeah. if anybody's gonna do it, it's this kid. Um, <laughs> Fernando Tatis is behind that. Um, at yeah. age twenty-three, uh, he has a nineteen percent chance, and then behind that's Vladdy, age yeah. twenty-three, same as them, fourteen percent chance. Like, it's going to be hard. Guys, it just doesn't seem very possible. Like, there's there's three vets that are so, like somewhat close. Um, Cano, he yeah. won't reach it. He's at two six hundred thirty-one. Uh, Yadi Molina is at 2,118. You said he's at 2,631, Cano? Yeah, but he's not going to reach it because he doesn't – his playing time, he's injured all the time. I don't think he's going to yeah. even get to 2,800, dude. 
Ugh. And then Joey Votto at 2035. And he's not going to get there either. He, he won't get there, unfortunately. I, I would love Joey Votto to be a 3,000 hit with, uh, guy, but he won't. Joey Votto is one of those guys who should go to the Hall of Fame, but I bet there will be some sort of controversy about it. Really? Yeah, I don't know. He just was you, you, on base machine. I know, I know, but they're going to like we're going to look at his like home run totals and all yeah, that stuff. people, yeah, people are dumb. Voters are dumb. Um, I remember there was a year, an entire year, where he didn't pop out once. That's nuts. <laughs> Fact check me on that, everybody, please. But there's an entire year where where Joey Votto did not pop out once. Oh my god. How do you do I don't that? know. Okay, I don't know what's crazier. Joey, there's a year to again fact check us, people. We might because we could be like completely talking our ass, but like, um, there's a year Joey Votto didn't pop out. Uh, like you said, I also think there was a, a half season where you know, uh, going back to Clayton Kershaw, do you know how many walks? Uh, Clayton Kershaw had one, I, I forget, I think it was like a Cy Young or MVP year or the year after that, and then he got injured after this. Um, so he didn't play the second half of the year. But like from from opening day until the All Star break, he had four walks. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm on his baseball reference page right now. I'm going to see what his lowest base on balls were per year or one year. And I I'm going to get okay. I'm not going to count the the years he threw under 150 innings. One year he threw. All right, this is just insane. Anyway. He threw 232 innings and only gave up 42 walks. <laughs> the year before he threw 200 and only gave up 31. Yeah, I think I think that one uh, was um, one of the shortened years because because uh, I think he was injured the second half of the rest of that year. Both were uh, about 200 plus innings. Yeah, I know Both the ones years. you cited. I know the ones you cited. I'm saying like oh, the, the one the you're one, saying. Yeah, the, the one a, I was saying was a strike shortened year. Yeah, I sorry, saw not a year short, and... injury shortened year. I yeah. saw a year there was like eight. Yeah, I think that's, that's that might be it. That's yeah, I think <laughs> some guys walk like four batters in a game. They like people games to get there. Like, like people were talking about like uh, like can he just win every award in baseball? Like can we give him the American League award awards as well? <laughs> just he's, for shits and giggles. Amazing. I love him. Uh, I'm just gonna so just going to uh, to to reference somebody else to give us an idea. Let's go Robbie Ray, Cy Young year last year. Mind you, he's a strikeout pitcher, so that means something. Robbie Ray last year. Robbie Ray last year walked 52 people and won the Cy Young. That's wow. pretty good. That's very good. 41 is incredible. Um, but Kershaw didn't even lead the league those years in like lowest walk rates. And I'm sure oh. they use like a minimum innings total. So it was probably somebody else that just like a Strowman type character that doesn't get as nice strikeouts and pitches to contact. Right. But, but that's crazy for a pitcher like him. Cause he was probably going... racking up 12 K's a game at the same time. You know, I just started remembering, I just started remembering like how good some of those, like they're weird, but like how good some of those rotations they put together in San Francisco were in like the late two thousands, early two thousands. Sorry, like sorry, late 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 twenty two thousands, early twenty tens. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You're talking the like Tim Lenscombe days. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Whatever happened to him? I need to look back into that man. I know. We <laughs> I think he really like it, there's just he fu- I remember his he fucked his shoulder really up. just dropped off. Yeah, I think I, I think so. I think he fucked his shoulder up. His delivery was absolutely insane. Human bodies don't work like that. Which brings us into wins. 300 wins. Um, who's closest? 300 wins. I have no idea. That's never going to happen again. 300 That's wins. Never... The closest is Kershaw. He has a 21% chance of getting there. He's at 188 wins at age 34. And that uh, guys he, don't get no. more than 20 wins a year anymore, no, really. He won't, he won't do it. Especially when they were getting pulled for perfect games, right? right the only guy who was like... I. I... <sighs> Where's Verlander at? Because here he he might be a guy who can still put up twenty. He's on the list. Yeah, he's on the list. He's at uh, two hundred twenty-seven wins, sixty percent. But remember, Justin Verlander is thirty-nine years old. Yeah, but he might be the Tom Brady of baseball. <laughs> Maybe he's. I have him as my. I have him as my Cy Young vote this year. He's definitely gonna win Cy Young. Wait, wait and see. Tune in. Tune in I, in six months for this. 
for this take we'll, to be just. We'll do like a special award show then. We'll see. We'll see uh, if you're um, if you're still betting on that. Granky <laughs> um, is the second closest, but he's not going to get there. He's no, he won't. But Ver- no, he's okay, playing, but, in, no, he's playing said, in, uh, KC right now. You said how many is Verlander at? You said Verlander's at two twenty seven. Two twenty seven. Okay, so he would need to go like he, five more years. Five more years, more years of like 15, 20, 20 wins. wins. He could do it. Maybe. If he pitches till 44 as an ace with 20 wins a year, sick. yes. But like, that's insane. We can't predict I think, that. honestly, I think baseball, if we, if, if we have this whole thing about longevity and um, athletes like, like we, because I think we'll start seeing more Tom Brady like people. Because I think the, the secret out there, everyone. Is that they're all using HGH to stop their aging, including Brady. But if medicine, uh, medicine and science are too good now for guys, yeah, they, they can yeah. extend their career so crazy. Yeah, but if um if he starts using HGH like Brady, um he will. Uh, I bet pictures will be like the one sports category where like they can they could probably go to like their fifty if they re- if they really start maxing that out because like yeah, get, quarterbacks like, three are just gonna... Johns in the meantime too yeah while they're at it. exactly they, they'll just keep like you go you, you're only using one body part realistically and you don't have to be that athletic to do it like look at fucking Bartolo Colon he was like 42 fat as shit and he was still like a top picture fair like I think... baseball pictures could be like the one like position across sports where it really just doesn't tax your body other than one body, big body mechanic. I, it's a pretty vulnerable one too. Shoulders are really vulnerable. True, but you can just focus um, on that. I think the 300 inning or 300 wins is probably at this point, the least, the most untouchable. I do like guys don't pitch. You know, how hard it is to get a win in the MLB these days. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly hard. You don't pitch well, very deep in most games, um, and you have oh my, to be boy, like winning. And which which Blue Jay is le- was is or was leading? Wasn't there? Didn't wasn't one of our relievers? I forget his name right now. Was uh, was leading the MLB and wins right now? I don't know the name. If 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 that is, yeah, no, it it was MLB wins. Uh, wins leaders. Yep, it's it's uh it's Simber. Yeah, it's Simber. <laughs> above uh, Scherzer, Musgrove, and and Bassett. That's awesome. See, wins are wins are a useless statistic that no one should pay attention to. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, um, but we're not going to see 300 wins anymore. Yeah, you know what like, we will see. I have a feeling 500 home runs. This article, this article was about how all these things are disappearing. Yeah, well, 500, 500 home, home runs will runs is disappearing. No, it's going to be. It will be. Uh, like, Trent's well, at 315 like, right now, folks. At age 30, he's at 315, and he's only getting better. Here, I think I think John Boyce once put it to, uh, together really well. Like, okay, if you want to be the greatest home run hitter of all time. Uh, like if you want to beat Barry Bonds, you have to be in the top like three percent of home run hitters every year for twenty years in baseball, and then you have, to, and then in your twenty first year, you have to come back and hit like four more home runs to beat the record. Um, so uh, so there's a couple guys in the MLB who might do that. Yeah. Uh, like 20 years, of, yeah, like, yeah, like, there's one. Uh, like, Mike Trout's been doing his arm gets okay, yeah. Mike Trout's been doing it. He's had yeah. an injury, he's had like an injured year or two, uh, that he's gonna have to make up. But I think it's Mike like Trout's like, year, basically, yeah, he's gonna, but I think he's gonna have some longevity as long as he doesn't fall off a cliff. Like, Poo- Albert, I thought like lots of people thought Albert Pujols was gonna beat the record one day. And Alex yeah, Rodriguez, had, uh, but they but they kind of both fell right off cliffs. Here. He had 475 home runs through his age 32 season. Pujols, 
Yeah, like a lot, like both Pujols and A Rod were expected to at least challenge for the all time record, but they never did. Um, but if we have a guy who just kind of sticks through their entire career, kind of chipping away at it, uh, we'll we'll see someone not just break 500 home runs, but go for like the the 700 and six, how was it 762? I think 763. Pujols had 681 career home mm-hmm. runs by the end of his career. So I mean, he made a dent. Yeah, he did, and he uh, and he really fell off a cliff in certain aspects of his career uh, after, he uh, after he left St. Louis. Yeah, well, he had, yeah, I mean, he had one forty home run season after he left St. Louis. A uh, two thirty home two thirty home run seasons, and that's it. Yeah, and they were quite spread out. Where we have a seventeen thrown in there, a nineteen thrown in there, and then of course, like once he reached age forty, it just wasn't going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, why don't we, well, I was going to, we were going to talk about uh, the baseballs. We can oh, the humidors and shit. We can wait for that. We can do that next time. Okay. We'll, we'll say that for next week. Cause I, cause don't really that's a fun a... conversation that we could spend a really, long time on. I don't really have an opinion on that. No, not at all. No, no let's, let's not play, just the humanoids. Like we're talking baseballs in general. Let's play. Let's play baseball in the Amazon, like in the jungle. Just make them like. Let's have some swampy baseballs. Just like roll them in mud a bit. Give them to the yeah. Picture. Here you go. You're good. To go. Oh, like and you know that, that's kind of like a, that's a gr- look at look at us becoming good podcasters. That's a great segue into uh into the, the old era of baseball that we're going to talk about today. Uh, yeah. specifically. Uh, specifically, a uh, a pitcher uh, named John Montgomery Ward. Although uh, I do want to mention what they used to do back in uh, what they called the dead ball era. So this is this is how like um, baseball started having more home runs. Was uh, baseballs used to? It was a pitcher's job to mud up the baseball as much as possible, spike it, use their wedding ring to scuff it up, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes they'd spike it by putting like a nail through uh, through the baseball so it would turn in weird ways. Uh, one day, a spiked baseball hit like a player in the head, and the player died like right at the batter's box. Um, so they create they created a new rule stating that um, every like there has to be a new perfect baseball every time. Uh, like if it, you, you could use the same baseball over and over again, but if it got scuffed up, you had to replace that with a new perfect white baseball. The owners hated this because now they had to spend more money on new baseballs. That theme of the podcast died. Guys, fuck the owners because they didn't want to spend money on fresh baseballs for a baseball game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how uh, a bag of baseballs really costs. And Jesus. and then after that, Babe Ruth started hitting like sixty home runs a year. When uh, when the the average when the uh, league leaders before that in the dead ball era when they used to be able to scuff up the baseball like that was like twelve home runs a year. That's extreme. I hope yeah. I never watch a baseball season that the average or the major league leader in home runs is twelve. And most of them were inside the park. Entire life. That's disgusting. You know what I say? Juice the baseballs. Let the pitchers do whatever they want to them. Well, I mean, juice the baseballs, juice the players, and give the fans some juice. Apple juice, preferably. (laughs) But that gets me to uh, the story of uh, who I actually wanted to name in this podcast after originally, Uh, but instead we named the Red Card Sports. um, and about a baseball player named John Montgomery Ward. Um, so, and John Montgomery Ward really is kind of like, there's been really interesting players in the history of baseball, uh, considering how old the sport is, like just interesting in their personal lives or what they did on and off the field, a combination of all that. Of all that. Montgomery Ward might be the best story of all of them. Um, so, the... Story uh, starts out in the 1860s, and baseball is basically the only pro sport out there. Um, so, like boxing was a, a bit of a major sport in the uh, late 19th century. Uh, that, and when I say professional, am, uh, professional, like there really is a big distinction back then in every sport between between professionals and amateurs. 
Um, and most sports were basically amateur uh, outings at this point. In fact, the Olympics were amateur until uh, quite recently, actually. But um, baseball in North America uh, was the first professional sport, or unlike uh, soccer in, in uh, UK and Europe. And because uh, baseball was the first professional sport here, it got to set all the rules that other leagues would kind of copy and set by. Um, and from about the 1860s in the uh, onwards, the, uh, baseball created this system called the reserve system. Now, the reserve system is this really complex system uh, of contracts and legal wording. But basically, all it means at the end of the day is that you can't be, you can't go sign for any team you want uh, in baseball up until they, these rules changed in the 1970s and 80s with the Kurt Flood with the Kurt Flood story and um, and uh, Marvin Miller and all um, and baseball's antitrust exemptions. Uh, eventually not getting ruled down, but um, essentially having their, their teeth removed. Uh, but that's a story that we are going to cover in this podcast at a later time. I'm, uh, but what you need to know is that at this very time, the uh, in the 1860s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, baseball has created a reserve system where players can only be with the team that who has signed them, and that will exist until the 1970s. Um. And this is significant also because baseball, like until about like the 1920s and 30s, like you would have the NHL come in the 1920s, uh, but that was a professional sport that was more Canadian American based, so it wasn't a, a, um, as American. The NA, the NFL would really wouldn't become a thing until the 30s and, and or really the 40s and 50s, and same thing in basketball. Uh, and, and the NBA wasn't founded until 1947. So baseball really is the setting all the standards here of how um, of how owners are going to act towards players. Um, but in the 1860s, baseball is a very small thing because it's only the Civil War in America and professional sports are only in this very nascent stage in both England and America. But uh, baseball really starts growing in the 1860s, 70s, and 80s. Um, and it starts becoming big, big business. And salaries start growing as a result. And owners uh, started creating... To limit in these, to limit this in, owners started creating a system of standardized contracts, with the uh, salary being the only variable. So contracts were for only for one year. Like every baseball player until about the nineteen sixties and seventies was on a one-year contract. That today would be extremely confusing as a baseball fan. Yes, Not and you lie. just <laughs> and they and you just get paid whatever the team says. And that sounds awful. Because uh, salary is the only variable. So the players eventually uh, fought back in 1889, and that is where we come with by creating a union, the Brotherhood of Professional Baseball Players, or simply known as the Brotherhood. And that brings us to uh, the hero of our podcast, like I said before, John Montgomery Ward. So who is John Montgomery Ward? Um... So Ward was a professional player, um, and at 13 – so he was one of those kind of – in this era of baseball, like, um, you hear a lot of stories about kid phenoms and whatnot, and he was one of those kid phenoms. Uh, he helped start um, at age 13 when he was at, at a um, – uh, at school, he helped start Penn State's uh, baseball program, like the, the university nearby. <laughs> Uh, and some people, I, I, I need to do more research into this. I think I'm going to, I'm doing more. I got a, a couple of new books on him that I have to go pick, pick up, uh, that have been in cold storage for, uh, for a while, but he's credited with inventing the curveball as a teenager. Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess that's a pretty, pretty good cool. base. That's a pretty good baseball resume already at, at age 13. You founded uh, like one of the biggest university in America's college program and you invented the curveball. Um, that's, that's insane. Yeah, I I can't believe he was sent. He went to Penn State University at age thirteen. Well, no, he was sent there to help found their program. They went back to his boarding school. Oh, like he was just there to. That's... He was brought in as like a consultant when he was thirteen to start up their baseball program. Huh. 
Um, and then, uh, but then uh, he was eventually kicked out of his boarding school uh, uh, for fighting hazers and stealing chickens. Uh, then his parents, th- he's had a weird, he has a weird life as a teenager. And again, some of the stuff, like, it feels like, like one of those tall tale old timey stories. Uh, but it's also like the 1870s where there's enough people and it's like, and it's not like you're out in the old wild west. Like this is Pennsylvania where there's, you know, telegraphed communication systems and a pretty, and a pretty decent, um, historiographic record. But there seems to be a lot of tall tales or they feel like tall tales for or this guy. Um, but when he, uh, his parents died when he was 14 and he tried to become a traveling salesman at age 14. Hey man, he started a, uh, a baseball program at a university at 13. So I think he'd be pretty good at selling stuff. Yeah, that's true. But he actually (laughs) wasn't that great. He failed. He failed as a traveling salesman because, well, I think part of that's like you're 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 15, bud. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't hold much uh, clout. Yeah. So then he decided to go back to uh, to school for a little bit and became like a, a baseball player again at, at age 18. All in all, probably, probably a good idea. Considering. It was a really smart career move for him. Um. So, uh, he John Montgomery Ward really was an excellent player, though. He, I mean, yeah, um, like yeah, he, so he invented, he invented the curveball, like we said, um, he started his career at, um, as a pitcher, but then he eventually moved to fielding. Yeah. I uh, see like outfield third base. Yep. Yeah. Uh, after, cool. uh, it was after injury. Um, so he, his first year, he was exclusively a pitcher. Um, uh, like that was his primary position, but then he also started dabbling, mm-hmm. playing outfield and third base a bit. So, okay, so, Nolan, I want you to look this up for me quick because I didn't look this up. How, how how many innings does the average pitcher pitch a year today? Pitch start year to year. Um, because um, for the year, total innings, like, right? Yeah. What is it, like 200, 300? Oh, it's going to be less. It's going to be less than that. You keep going. Oh, it, I'm thinking it's around – for the prevention of dead air, he pitched nearly uh, 600 innings yeah. a year. That's incredible. He also, to this day, he holds the record for the longest complete game shutout in MLB history. So uh, he it was Wait. Uh, he played so from 1870 to 1882. So this is the first team he played for. He played for the Providence Grays, Grays, and they were uh, against the Detroit Wolverines. Neither of these teams exist anymore, but uh, this is in the National League uh, at the time. So a lot of the teams they're playing, uh, even though the, neither of these two two teams playing exist today. Like the Atlanta Braves exist in this league, although they are the Boston Braves. The New York Giants existed, who would later become the San Francisco Giants. The Chicago Cubs is, existed. There were uh, a lot of modern teams uh, were already in this league he was playing in. But to um, to my previous point, his the longest complete game shutout in MLB history what is still held by him. Providence Gate Grades versus Detroit Wolverines in a one nothing game over eighteen innings. Eighteen innings of a complete to, game shutout. To go back, that's insane. To go well, back, I, on, that, that, there's three really, pitchers last year who yeah. pitched over two hundred innings. It's three pitchers, only three. Only Scherzer? three: Wheeler, Bueller, and Alcantara. They pitched over 200 innings. Wow. That's it. And the most is 13 by Wheeler. I don't know why I said Scherzer. He used to be a workhorse, but he's, he's less of a workhorse got nowadays. Yeah. He's 179 um, now. Last year, yeah. he's 179. But yeah. that shouldn't even be called like a complete game shutout. That should be called a two-game, a, a two-complete game shutout. Because that was like two, two game games. Two-game shutout. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. Game he pitched 18 innings. <laughs> how many? Do you know how many pitches he threw? He probably didn't. No he idea. They, had, they did not keep track of that but in 18, like. 80 at all how many of you uh, guys 200 200 pitches yeah some no it's probably something ridiculous like that yeah um <laughs> he also he also pitched um i think this is even more impressive he pitched the second perfect game in mlb history uh beating buffalo five nothing now this is less related to him uh like i find it interesting that so the first perfect game in mlb history was five days earlier he then he has that uh, that perfect game. 
Do you want to know how many years it was until there was another perfect game in the National League? Don't know. Tell me. 84 years. It wouldn't be until the 1960s there'd be another perfect game in the National League. The American League would have a couple, but uh, but nothing in the National League. So it's, guys weren't guys weren't hitting dingers, but they were definitely hitting the ball. And I'm assuming the fielding was poor. Or... Uh, fielding was okay. Like I like it's, it's poor. It's not today. It's not even like it's not even the 1920s or 30s. But like we're, these guys were the more athletic people of their time. Okay. Let's not completely denigrate them. But you're but you're right. It's not it's not going to be great. Um, well, I mean, there, there's got to be a reason there was not, there wasn't a perfect game thrown for 80 years. That's like I know perfect games aren't common, but that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Is is a long time. You're right. Shout Although, out it, John sorry, Montgomery the... Ward, also known Monte Ward. Way to go, Monte Ward. <laughs> uh, I wonder though. Like, um, okay, do we count? Um, pedantic note: Do we count uh, Don Larson's uh, perfect game in the World Series? Because it wasn't like an NL game, but it wasn't an AL game. Because it's the only games that the AL and the NL played against each other until the 1990s. Yeah, we count it count it it was an if there's an nl team involved it's an nl game okay fair enough even though it's Wait, the nl team the game, game in in the nl stadium or in the al stadium al stadium it was the yankees okay i'll give it to you all right um or yeah it was a perfect game it just wasn't an nl perfect game national league perfect game is american league uh all right that's so, crazy to um, perfect game during the world series that's that's, that's i know it's still it's still one of the great like insane things that's ever happened in baseball uh, all right. Um, after the complete game shutout season, uh, Providence decided to uh, sell John, Mon- John Montgomery Ward, though, to uh, a new National League club uh, in New York. What was now known as the what became the New York Giants, now known today as the San Francisco Giants. Also, in his last long. year, also um, uh, in Providence. Uh, last note before uh, we go off to Providence. Or we leave Providence off for New York. Um, in 1880, uh, uh, Providence didn't have a manager, so John Montgomery Ward was chosen to be um, uh, a, a player manager uh, in 1880. He he, uh, he player managed 32 games, and that would be something that would happen quite a bit often in the rest of his career. How many? When's the? You don't see player managers at all anymore. No, no. Last one was like, um, oh, what's it? Was it Pete Rose, last player manager? There's got to be someone who who's tried it since him, for like a, a, like know, a game or two. I know. Um, player manager. Let's see if that's someone. I'm I'm leaning towards Yaddy. I think Yaddy might have done a game. Let's see list of major league baseball player managers, and let's sort it by year. We have, oh, Pete Rose was one. The most recent, uh, Martin Prado, in 2016 for the Marlins. Oh, okay. Manager for, uh, he started the game at third base and played for three innings before taking himself out of the game. Good guy. <laughs> it's their final game, so I mean, like, take take with that as you want. Fair enough. All right, New York, New York. Uh, and John Montgomery Ward is now in New York City playing for the Giants at the Polo Grounds. Uh, he started in New York in the 1883 season as a pitcher, uh, but in 1884, though, uh, John Montgomery Ward has he uh, he injured his right arm and his pitching career was over. How did he um, injure his right arm? May you say? I think it was just like playing. It was, it was running the bases. Was it running the bases? He was running the bases. Oh. It's funny because then he wins a steals. He was the steals leader like 10 years later. Yes, I do have that down. Uh, and injured players, so uh, injured players uh, back then uh, were just often simply re- released because, uh, you know, you, you, you're you useless and we don't have any obligation to you anymore. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so Montgomery Ward taught himself how to throw left-handed so he could keep fielding in the 1884 season at center field. Which is amazing. That's so legendary. <laughs> Don't worry, coach. I got this. Just put me in center field. I'll throw left. And that same season, uh, they decided to re- uh, he replaced their manager for the final 14 games of the season. 
That's crazy. Yeah, and then I guess, yeah, I mean. Yep. Pitcher, center field, left, left-handed left center fielder, manager. Man does it all. Mm-hmm. And then um, while playing, so that was 1884. So this man is doing a lot of shit. So um, uh, while playing for New York, uh, Ward uh, went to and then graduated uh, Columbia Law School in 1885. Wow. So, yeah, so this motherfucker is like one of the best baseball players out there. Orphaned. Go uh, uh, teach himself how to throw left-handed because they can't pitch anymore. And then next year, goes to an Ivy League law school. Dreams, goals, right? And then he gets a poly he gets a political science degree the next year as well from Columbia. This is this is the Renaissance man. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and this is where, and this all leads into uh, him event. What we're going, what we're all, kind of, what we're kind of getting towards, which is what's called the Players League. So, um, while he's doing all this law school stuff and poli sci degree, uh, he also uh, then um, helped. He immediately afterwards helped to found the first uh, sports union, the Brotherhood of Professional Baseball Players. Uh, baseball being two separate separate words. I like how they did that back in the old days, where there's like a little dash <laughs> in between, or sometimes it's just like two separate words with no dash. Um, so he absolutely hated the reserve system because he, he felt like what other job does this exist in, sort of thing. Because like in other jobs, there's other you can go. If you don't like your salary here, you can go work for someone else. Now, that was manipulated a lot, especially in this era, but there still was kind of like that sense you could do that. Um, but uh, the first, but the first kind of years the union existed, it was fighting mostly for small gains, like, uh, like the freedom to negotiate with other teams when offered a pay cut by their existing team. So, the, um, so basically, just saying, like, if you're going to cut my salary, at least let me talk to someone who might pay me the same amount. Now, and, like if, these managers definitely talked back and forth. So it's, yeah, exactly. So it's like, let, essentially it's just like, give me the right to be fucked over by two of you instead of one of you was all they're asking for at this point. Um, they also, uh, and but the main purpose and the main thing that, that um, focus most of uh, their, um, fundraising and most of their union dues what it went to was um, helping su to support the widows and families of dead players. Because again, 1880s, there are there is basically no protections whatsoever. Uh, not just for like baseball players, but for anyone in society if like suddenly the, the main breadwinner died. Um, but uh, you know what they have winter they had winter meetings back then, just like they do today in baseball. Uh, and the winter meeting we. The uh, winter meetings uh, in 1888, 1889 kind of changed that main purpose of the of the first uh, players' union. So in 1888, uh, Ward's Giants won the NL pennant and um, and played in kind of like a proto World Series. So there was a, there wasn't an American League yet. There was the American Association, which was like not the American League. The American League would steal a bunch of their names, but the American Association went under in the 1890s. Um, so, but they did have like a proto World Series. It's called, um, and with against uh, the St. Louis Browns, uh, and it was called the Dove Cup. And the, imagine being such a guy that you got the first World Series uh, trophy to be named after your wife. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I, I will find more information. I, I'm pretty sure she paid for it because she was already, she was like a famous, his wife was like a famous actress of the, of the era in New York. Um, but the first like World Series, like it wasn't the, called the World Series yet, but they, they, they had a trophy and it was named after John Montgomery Ward's wife. Um, and during that, so he won. He won the NL pennant and played in the Proto World Series. And then during that winter, a lot uh, Ward decided to go on a like a barnstorming world tour. So kind of like you know how the Harlem Globetrotters will go around the world and like play basketball against like a fake team or just kind of like show playing basketball in front of a crowd sort of thing. 
even if they're not playing like a game. That's what he that's what Ward did with um with uh uh he he got a team of all-stars together and this team of all-stars would uh would took the Chicago Cubs along with them to go like tour North America, South America and Europe to see um uh to show off the game of baseball. But the owners well grow the game pretty cool. Yeah, essentially he's outgrowing the game. Uh but the owners while uh while Ward is out there, uh they were Um, the owners during these uh, winter meetings were supposed to get rid of a salary cap that they imposed in 1887, that, uh, but uh, promised to get rid of. So they, they imposed a salary cap without a- asking the players, and they then they said, okay, we'll get rid of it. We'll get rid of it next year. We promise. Um, they, so instead of getting rid of the $2,000 salary cap in those winter meetings, um, they imposed a new classification system, which ranked players uh, a, class, a through E. So either you're ranked A, B, C, D, or E, and that determined your salary. And the max was A class at 2500 So no longer – so you know how I said the only variable in these contracts was like your salary, and that could vary all across the league. Now that now not even that was going to vary that much. <laughs> Uh, players were going to be put on a pay scale like uh, like a lot of other professions are, and um, so the, um, and this salary cap that they imposed the year before wasn't like a um, it's not like salary caps today where you have a salary cap that's like for the entire team. It was an individual oh, cap yeah. on how much you could pay per player. You couldn't pay a player more than two thousand dollars today. That's like fifty grand. Wow. And now they are going to set the cap at twenty five hundred for the top players. Also, as an extra fuck you to John Montgomery Ward because he was the one because he's the one who's been they knew was going to be the most against this and agitating against this. Yeah. The Giants tried to sell him for twelve thousand dollars to the Washington Nationals. <laughs> that's that's crazy that they can make so little money and then be sold for so much to these other teams. Yeah. So you know, so what Ward did was he said "fuck you" right back, and he refused to play because the players did have one little bit of leverage; they could hold out on their contract because, like, you can't force someone to work for you, uh, right? So you yeah. say, uh, so you say, "Well, fuck you! I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to play baseball." Then, so Ward said that I will. He refused to play for Washington unless he got a cut of the twelve thousand dollars that they sold him for, which makes sense. Um, the deal fell through when Washington reneged on it and uh, and didn't pay New York. So Ward left Wait, the barn. So Washington didn't pay New York. Yeah, Florida. Washington didn't pay New York. So that's why that's why uh, the whole deal fell through. Now Ward's back in New York. So Washington. So sorry, Ward actually left the barnstorming tour in a huff and demanded a meeting with the owners when they were imposing this new salary cap system and trying to sell him. Uh, they then denied him the meeting. Um, and he said there will be no discussion of the new classification system until after the 1889 season. So fuck you, it's this is being it. imposed, and you're not going, and you are not going to, we are not going to talk with you about this until after this year. So and Montgomery still went off. Still actually, went off. Actually, he what agreed. He agreed. He agreed. He, he agreed. He agreed and played the 1889 season, as did all the other players. And said, "Fine, we'll go with this classification system if you talk to us at the end of the year." Um, I mean, when he went off, I mean, he went off as in as a baseball player. He did. He, 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 he hit 299 that year, and the Giants won another pennant in the Proto World Series. Um, although once the winter meeting started that off season, uh, it became very clear the owners had no intention of negotiating in good faith. So, uh, surprising the owners and using his business connections, because Ward has been uh, making a name for himself in New York, considering that he's married to one of the city's top actresses, has been going to an Ivy League institution, uh, getting degrees, and being one of the top baseball players in the city. He's made lots of friends uh, in business communities across America. So, um, uh, Ward started that season, uh, the 1890 season, uh, he started the Players League. He started a new baseball league uh, with new owners um, that he basically picked or used or convinced. He didn't pick them. He convinced them to like take stakes and buy teams and, and join the, this uh, new league. 
and he took 80 percent of the National League's players with him. That's a traveling salesman for you. Yeah. And I think that is a pretty good Yeah, I think that's a pretty good uh spot to stop. I think that is. Yeah, that I think that's a good, good I think that's a good cliffhanger of, uh... before going into uh, the um before going into the players league. Next time. Yeah. If only if only someone could do that today. Like Tom Tom Brady, go start your own league. Yeah, start your I mean, own league. Tried, start your own league. Right? Beat Montgomery. You're you are not the GOAT until you can do this. You, you John Montgomery Ward is still the, the athletic GOAT of all time, uh after everything we have just said. But, uh play multiple positions, teach your hand self how to throw with a different arm, start a yep. players union, start a new league. Win multiple titles in your in your sport. Then we'll you, yeah, too. yeah. See, of all these things, Tom, you only got one done. So you know, pick it up. Yeah, I don't see I don't see Tom out there throwing with his left arm. No, no. Yeah, start throwing with your left, Tom. <laughs> Make Giselle injure your right arm. All right, that leaves all it. Right, there it's for- a good. Definitely a good time to end it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, hope we will see all of you uh, uh, next week uh, with your bright and smiling faces. You can't. We can't see your bright smiling faces. You can't see ours either. But we're sure they're there. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.